0: away up here. Um, I'm, I'm doing, I hope, a little better now than I was when I first walked in. Uh, thanks so much for having us back, and it's wild to see. You, you said uh, Brush Prairie's been a part of our ministry for all this time, and some of you will remember Clarence Lowen, and he gave a very memorable charge on our dedic- uh, what service when you sent us out uh, all those years ago i won't go into that but some of you will remember the electric fence and him trying to get over it and it not quite working and that was that was his charge <laughs> see i still remember it and it's still funny <laughs> what happens when a guitar player picks up his guitar he strums a few chords. I'm not a guitar player, by the way. He strums a few chords, and then he winces, doesn't he, or she? That's significant. An out-of-tune guitar. What's important, of course, is that he then tunes his guitar. And I noticed the guitar player here right before the last song. He wasn't really playing a bit, and he clicked a button down here. I won't do it, I promise. And, and he was doing something with one of the strings, and he was doing this and looking down here. It says E now, I hope that's okay. Um, it's it's amazing what they have to do because they're playing along in a song, they're worshiping, and suddenly they go, Something's not right. And they they cock their head and they listen and they twiddle the little knobby thing on the top and they and then they, they listen again and they either go, Ha ah, or they do it again. You seen that? You notice that they try and they try and all pretend that we don't notice, but, but we do. Uh, what, what's the, what's your name, the guitar player? What's it say? Ethan. Ethan. Very good job. Well done. <laughs> Sorry to pick on you like that. I didn't warn you beforehand, but it's right in my notes about this tuning thing. <laughs> I want to use that idea to talk about what we do and to talk about this passage that we're going to look at in Mark. We help Christians tune their guitar, people in ministry, pastors, missionaries, people doing aid work, so that when they play the music of their lives, when they're in ministry and they strum the chord, it sounds right, that when the people they're ministering to hear them, they go, oh, that's nice, that's good. Because we've all seen someone in ministry or a Christian and they try and do something and it's not quite right. They need some help. They need to tune it. And sometimes, actually, guitar strings break, don't they? What's the, the top tiny string? What's the, co- the E string? You've seen an E string and a bing in the middle of a song and they quickly wrap it out of the way and they keep on going and... That happens to us. That's an analogy of sometimes our E-string breaks. And we need to stop someplace and try and um, get it straightened out. We see, we've seen all... We, yeah, I said that, sorry. Guitar players have to pay attention to more than just the music. They have to distinguish what's... They have to pay attention to what's significant, which string is out of tune. And finally, do the important thing of actually adjusting the strings. Three words I want you to kind of remember as we go along. Hopefully I'll keep going with them. I'll keep reminding you of them. Attention. The guitar player is paying attention. He notices something significant. That's the second word, significant. It's out of tune. And and then important. Importantly, he fixes it. He tunes it. So remember that. Jesus wants to give attention to what is significant and important and to love in a way that brings life, freedom, and correction, connection with God. Jesus shows us how to notice the significant to discover the important. So let's look at uh, Mark chapter 5 from verse 21 and see what kind of attention Jesus gives uh, to two, two people in particular, a woman and a man. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. I don't know what you normally use here. I suspect you don't normally use that. Some of you out there will be going, oh, great, he's using that. But, but just so you know, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading ferv- fervently with him, my little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She, she had suffered a great deal from many doctors. I've suffered a great deal from many doctors as well. And over—and I suppose many of you have as well. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. Yeah, that sounds familiar. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. This is too close to real life, isn't it? She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it, Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Wouldn't that be nice to hear? Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, Why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. (laughs) The crowd laughed at him. (laughs) I think they were more sincere in their laugh than I was. (laughs) But he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha, which means little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Can you imagine seeing that? Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened, and then he told them to give her something to eat. Sorry, this is really exciting stuff. I get a little overwhelmed and I go long, but I I need to not do that. What kind of attention does Jesus give the woman? What kind of attention does Jesus give Jairus? The woman, he gives more attention than she wanted. Jairus, he got distracted and stopped giving him attention. You know, we're all desperate for attention from loved ones, from family, from friends, from colleagues, people at work. But we want the right kind of attention, don't we? Not the kind that notices our shame, like Jesus does with this woman. But Jesus noticed. He saw something significant. We want the kind of attention that brings healing and life. I do. But Jesus seemed not to notice at first. You know what, if I'm honest, we want your attention, (laughs) Kim and I. Elliot and Simon, not so much. They like being anonymous. <laughs> you know, we want you to think that what we do is significant, that it's important, that it's worth your while, the time you spend praying, the time, the money you give, uh, that it's that it's, it's worth your attention. That the attention we give to, Kim gives to uh, uh, ladies in a ministry she's involved with that are in Europe with their husbands, uh, often Americans or expats, and who are struggling with their marriages, and she's listening to them. She's paying attention to them, discovering what's significant, what's important. That when we do member care, when we're listening to missionaries, that it's worth your while to spend time attending to us that when we listen for what's significant and what's important in their lives, that when we're in debriefing, listening to someone who's survived one crisis after another, that it's worthwhile, that um, it's significant and it's important. You know, we, just like the woman healed of, of, of bleeding, it can be really interesting what turns out to be not only significant, but then again, differently, what's important. Recently, we were working with someone who was a missionary, and she was talking in the first few days about all the anger she had, that she couldn't figure out, why do I get so angry at all these situations? And in debriefing, one of the topics where almost always, uh, almost always comes out is loss, and uh, she was also describing all these losses, and one day, a light went up. So both the anger and the loss were significant to her, and we were simply paying attention to what was going on and suddenly one of the days a light went on and she went oh I'm angry because of all those losses when someone says or does something that deep in her soul in her heart somewhere deep inside triggers those losses she gets angry oh I don't have to be angry at my teammates I can be angry at that thing that's making me angry not my teammate it was, can you imagine how happy her team hopefully is now? <laughs> Paying attention, noting what's significant, and waiting until we find what is important, discovering what's important. Jesus did this all the time. He noticed the little significant, even if they were painful things going on in people's lives. So this woman had spent 12 years scanning every situation she went into to make sure that she wasn't making anyone unclean, to make sure, no, if she was amongst other people, that people really didn't know who she was, what she had, because it would have been a terrible thing. She secretly came up behind Jesus in a, in a big crowd. And you, every person, you know, they were all jostling around together, weren't they? Every person who touched her became unclean and would have needed to spend a whole day doing whatever it is you had to do. And she would have felt a lot of shame about causing that for people, I think. It's not quite in there, but I think we can... a couple of different ways to look at this. Can you imagine, at that moment, she realized she'd been healed? Her identity changed. Who she was was totally different. And how did that happen? Jesus is walking along, going to help this guy minding his own business, and just like the guitar player, he went, oh, something's not right. Well, not not right, but something happened. Something's different. And he paid attention to it, didn't he? And he turned around, and it was significant, this this healing, the healing of the bleeding, wasn't it? Very important for that woman. But it actually wasn't the most important thing. I think the most important thing was that she was living in shame. And she needed to be free of that shame. That was the most important. And some things needed to happen for that shame to lift. And Jesus knew that. It's not clear whether Jesus knew who the woman was when he turned around. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. He acted like he didn't know. She had to come forward. And he pronounced freedom, forgiveness, didn't he, uh, on her. He trusted when he stopped, assuming, I'm assuming he didn't know who she was and what the situation was. He knew something happened. That's all. That's, that's my assumption. And he thought, oh, this is important. I need to, this is significant. I need to find out what this is. He stopped and he found out trusting that it would lead to something good, even if it was a bit painful. You know, I miss this stuff all the time. I imagine you might miss it occasionally too where something significant happens and maybe later you go oh I should have I should have listened I should have asked that next question we can do that for one another someone's telling a story you know uh, listening to people is all about just letting them talk and then noticing when they say something important but want to just kind of quickly go over it go past go beyond but if we can catch it attend to it and say, wow, I think that's significant, they can often take the step of find what's important. What happens when you and I notice the way Jesus or the Holy Spirit responds to what's going on around? You know, you don't have to do this on your own. I think that's the great thing that God gives us in the Holy Spirit, in that uh, he often says, oh, there's something here. Figure out what it is. You know, I would have been, as a counselor, I would have been horrified to point out to this, to point this woman out, call her out publicly, and say, you know, bring all this out. Because you just don't, you don't bring shame out publicly. Obviously, unless you're Jesus, and uh, and that's the point. Sometimes we, God does lead us to do things that aren't quite the right thing, but only on His on His um, direction and leading. You know, there's a lesson here. If we're going to transition between the woman and Jairus, and there's a couple of things going on between them. And Jairus has come to Jesus because his little girl is dying. And he's like desperate, distraught, I would imagine. And Jesus gets distracted. Can you imagine what's going on with Jairus the whole time he's dealing with this woman? Is he happy that the woman is getting healed? Probably. Maybe. You know, I think there's a lesson here in the tyranny of the urgent or the plague of productivity. And we think we've got to just get on and we've got to chop, 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 chop. And Jesus just casually goes on to the next thing almost as if he forgot what he was doing. Jairus must have been conflicted. Uh, he was, let's move on to him, he was the synagogue ruler, it says. Now, he wasn't a Pharisee, he wasn't a teacher of the law. He was more like, um, what's an equivalent, uh, maybe the chairman of the board or something like that. You know, he had a lot of responsibility and a lot of uh, things, but he wasn't really a, a minister. He didn't spend his days and nights studying the word and, uh, like the, the rabbis did. And he would have known, I think, and I think it would have been obvious at this point, that the religious leaders didn't think much of Jesus, that pretty much the official policy was that Jesus is something we don't know and therefore it's wise of you to stay away. You know the places in the Gospels where it talks about uh, people afraid to say because they were afraid of being put out of the synagogue. So he would have had those thoughts going through his mind, but he would also had the thoughts of my daughter is just about dead, and if what they're saying about this man is true, then he might be my only hope. Oh, what do I do? And obviously his daughter won out. But, you know, life, it isn't always do this and then this and then this and then that will happen, is it? It's often a twisted, curvy journey. Much more fun sometimes. Much more, well, if you like, the adrenaline rush. But he would have have, uh, wrestled and struggled with with that. Let's look at verse 35. Can you imagine? So imagine the scene. Jesus has said, yes, I'll go heal your daughter. He's slightly relieved, moving the direction. Jesus stops and does something else. His anxiety, I would imagine, would be rising. And then this happens. While he was still speaking to her, this is Jesus to the woman, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead there's no use troubling the teacher anymore. That's it. His absolute worst fear is realized. His daughter is dead. Can you imagine things going through his mind at that moment? I imagine if only I'd found Jesus sooner, if only I hadn't debated in my mind, if only Jesus had not gotten distracted and come straight away, maybe he thought maybe if only i were more important of a person jesus would have come straight away he wouldn't have been distracted do you ever wonder you ever think about i'm not really important enough for something but no his worst fear can you imagine the flood of emotion through his body at that moment emotions are very physical aren't they and his his insides there's a word in I'm not a Greek scholar, by the way, but there's a word in Greek that, that I think literally means your insides flop around. And he would have, he would have done that, kind of, or something like that. I would have. The story might even trigger something in your own life or your own experience where you've, it's touching on something close. But even if you haven't experienced that, something like this, can you comprehend something of what's going on in Jairus at the moment? Then verse 36 happens. But Jesus overheard them, the messengers to Jairus, and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. What do you feel when you, su- what happens to you when you suddenly become afraid? You know, for me, uh, the one, I'm, I'm remembering a certain incident, which I won't relate to you because it's a bit embarrassing, but uh, a, a wave passes over me and my whole trunk of my body kind of goes to jelly for a moment or two and then you know my brain kicks back in and you know absolute fear what happens to you can you think of a situation where you've been really afraid suddenly what does that feel like what what goes on with you hold on to that if you can or just imagine what you think you might do now imagine that's going on in you and you hear these words don't be afraid just have faith. What what strikes you when you hear that? For me it feels it sounds a little cliche. You know, it's okay, God has everything in control, your life will be okay. Yeah, they were shooting at you and and, and all that, but don't worry, it'll be okay. Don't worry about all those nightmares, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't know how Jesus gets away with it. But it obviously got through to this man. I mean, I can imagine hearing Jesus say that might be a little different than hearing Wayne say that. So maybe that helps. But, but the words would have chipped away at his awareness. I imagine these thoughts racing through his mind. How does he know what's going, how I'm reacting to this? How could can, how can, how can I not be afraid? It's the most natural, normal thing. Wait, 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 wait. What did he say? You know how your your brain kind of goes all fuzzy and foggy in those moments? So imagine in a swirl of conflict and faith and confusing thoughts and feelings, we had confidence, you had confidence, that God was paying attention to something that was significant and that if you stayed with Him, you would discover what was important. And that's what, obviously, that's what Jesus is doing with with Jairus and what he was doing with the woman. In her story, totally different. But with Jairus, Jesus is right there with him. He's not lost at all. He knows exactly what's coming. You know, I, I think it's a model for us. There's always something more when we're listening to people. Don't stop at helping with just the significant, as important as that is, as I'm using the words important. When I told my boys what uh, my sermon was going to be on, and they said, well, significant and important mean the same thing, Dad. And I said, well, yeah, but I want to make a distinction. Anyway, stay with me. Don't do what my boys do. <laughs> or was it the girls? It was the girls, wasn't it? Because they're not here. <laughs> Give attention to those people around you. Notice what is significant. Notice when the cord is not quite right or the, spr- the string is broken. And allow the Holy Spirit to help you discover what is important or allow the Holy Spirit to help them discover what is important. I find that I'm really bad at knowing exactly what a person needs, but if I just help them stay present with what's going on, they and the Holy Spirit do a really good job together. All three are crucial, attention, significance, and importance, and necessary. Don't give up or jump too soon. Let's finish the story. Verse 37, then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but made them all leave. But he made them all leave. He took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha, koem, which means little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, the woman had suffered from bleeding for 12 years old. I don't know what the significance is, but... They're both 12. Immediately, the little girl stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. And Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And he told them to give her something to eat. Jairus, in the confusion and the uncertainty of coming to Jesus in the first place, of hearing, of seeing Jesus get distracted and not paying attention to him, of hearing that his daughter died, of hearing the words of Jesus, of don't be afraid, just have faith, of the child's not dead, she's only asleep. Can you imagine what would happen to you if you heard that? Did he really say that? Could that be true? I can't allow myself to believe that. Did Jesus orchestrate the delay so that Jairus would have to go through all of that? I I struggle to go with that line of thinking because I don't think God is mean. Or did Jesus was he being nice to the woman and he knew he could still be nice to Jairus? Be kind is to be more biblical. So who do you identify with more? The woman? You know what to do, but if you do, there will be problems. She knew that Jesus could heal her. She also knew that there would be problems if people found out that a woman who was bleeding touched other people, men in particular. One, women and men were very careful about how they mixed and didn't mix in the day. And all of the things that for 12 years she'd been having to deal with that were extra, all the shame that had been poured on. She was risking no one ever take, talking to her again versus being healed. Do you identify with that? Or do you identify with Jairus, where life's actually pretty good. You've got a good position. You have respect in the community, satisfied with life. But then something hits you in the back of the head and life is completely different. You know, when we work with... Trauma is one situation where someone's been through a traumatic incident. We talk about how who you were before the trauma, your identity, and the person you are, and the person you are after you've recovered and worked through the trauma, is two different people. Your identity has changed. Not that, you, yeah, you're not a different person, but uh, life is different. Have you been through situations where who you were before that situation? and kind of who you were after that situation were different are you left have you been left wondering what's important now pay attention what's significant ask the holy spirit discover what's important it's simple but not isn't it so as you ponder this story in the days ahead, and I know you will because you do this kind of thing, and you hear a guest speaker, you really like what they say, and you think, oh, that was really good, I'm going to study that again. So as you do that this week, and don't tell me if you don't, <laughs> and you think about this woman who suffered for 12 years, and you think about this dad and this little 12-year-old girl that died, almost died, and then wasn't dead. I hope you will find yourself open to the Holy Spirit, prompting you to pay attention to what's significant and to keep paying attention and to go on and discover what's important in your own life, in the life of your family, your friends, someone you meet at the store. doesn't matter, wherever God says. And if, you get complete, if you're doing this and you get completely stumped and you don't know where to go, with the conversation just say to yourself this is where Wayne and Kim minister and pray for us (laughs) attention significant important a woman healed a dad and a little girl reunited shame gone away there's a bazillion things in this passage I've been careful not to go on on rabbit trails So let me just pray. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit, I just ask, Lord, that we would be open to the part of this that you want us to get a hold of, that you want us to remember and to uh, work in and weave into our lives this week, weeks ahead. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen as our ushers are coming forward at this time to receive